Green growth. From a liberal perspective, it is important to understand that combating climate change does not entail massive renewable subsidies, as outlined above. It is also important to point out that efficient climate work does not mean a zero growth economy or even degrowth, much less the idea that reducing emissions can only be done by significantly reducing our standard of living. On the contrary, many policies now acknowledge that if we are to tackle climate change, we need to use the market we have. Initiatives like Sir Nicholas Stern's New Climate Economy provides independent and authoritative evidence on the relationship between actions which can strengthen economic performance and those which reduce the risk of dangerous climate change, showing that the cost of non-action is much larger than the cost of action. Nevertheless, meeting the targets of the Paris Agreement will inevitably entail large-scale investments. The EU Commission proposes that at least 25% of EU spending in the next seven-year budget, starting in 2021, will be earmarked to support climate action. As the Commission itself recognises, this will not be enough to meet targets. We must also rely on the private sector to attract capital to such economic activity as limiting climate change, including cross-border green investments. In the EU, we welcome banks, asset managers, institutional investors, companies and capital markets to promote greater and better use of sustainable finance. This focus on green growth and a new cooperation between the private and public sectors is also a centrepiece of the Green Deal introduced in the US by the Democratic Party where some of its proposals seem to be on the verge of socialism, while others address state policy failures. A 2019 report by the Global Centre on Adaptation outlines this well. Not only does it find that climate change could depress growth in global agriculture yields by up to 30% by 2050, with the 500 million smallholder farmers in developing countries the most affected, but they also estimate that the world needs to invest $1.8 trillion between now and 2030. The net benefit would eventually be worth $7 trillion. Notwithstanding the above arguments to use market-based climate policies, there are still areas of the economy in which climate-friendly solutions are not the ones offering the greatest profits, and where there is neither any detailed agreement to uphold nor an exact scientific answer. This is logical, as science and policy are different walks of life. We need to help deliver market-like solutions, already to a large degree existent in the carbon markets of the EU, several US states, regions of China and elsewhere, as well as measures like the carbon tax, introduced in Sweden in 1991 and now in place in provinces of Canada and France it is important to acknowledge that it will sometimes not be possible to achieve perfection. This is particularly true for those who argue that a carbon tax or any similar initiative must be global to be efficient. This argument falls under the best being the enemy of the good category. As a global and uniform policy, the CO2 tax may not be forthcoming or, in any case, be sufficient or necessary to reach the climate targets set out by science, policy or business actors and asked for by the population as a whole. The EU emissions trading scheme falls under this category 
of being good enough in the absence of a perfect global cap-and-trade emission system. Nudging is an interesting good-enough policy instrument that helps deliver market-based approaches and foster innovation. Marketing practices have nudged the consumer towards certain choices for many decades. That is why the candy is located right next to the checkout cashiers in most stores, often conveniently at eye level for children. In the words of Nobel Prize laureate Richard Thaler, it is about making it easy for people to do what's right. The use of nudge efforts can thus be related to liberalism's respect for individual free choice. As has been proven many times and written about extensively, this is a strong tool in the sense that even fairly small nudges can change demand and behaviour in drastic ways. This is why both President Barack Obama and Prime Minister David Cameron installed special nudge units at both the White House and 10 Downing Street. Furthermore, and this is why we include it here, it is a fundamentally market-based approach which puts faith in the consumer. Rather than restricting choices through bans or other legislation or using tariffs and taxation to influence pricing, consumers are simply nudged with no formal restriction in choice. From a climate perspective, nudging is especially relevant when the fun is now and the cost comes later, the choice is complicated and it is hard to foresee its consequences, the situation is new or unusual, there is no clear feedback, making it hard to spot and learn from one's mistakes. There is a long-term gap between the action and its consequences, and the action is concrete and the consequences diffuse. While nudging has been around for decades, it has only recently been used more widely to reduce emissions and combat climate change, perhaps due to many environmentalists not being great advocates of market-based solutions and many believers in the liberal market economy not being strong advocates for a more ambitious climate agenda. There are, however, many examples, big and small, of how nudging has been used to successfully help reduce the climate impact of our actions. 1. Opt out. In an often quoted trial in Germany, one group was offered 100% green electricity from renewable sources, at the extra cost of €10 Euros per year, which 7% opted to do. In a different group, 100% green electricity from renewable sources was the default, with the option to save €10 Euros by accepting electricity from any source. In this group, 70% decided to remain with the greener choice. 2. Make it fun by turning the stairs to a subway station into a piano, where each step gave a different sound, Volkswagen convinced more people to walk rather than take the escalators. And by fitting garbage cans with jackpot sounds that would go off every time a piece of garbage was thrown in the can, the streets became much cleaner. All this in an experiment carried out by the company in Stockholm. 3. Be like others simply informing people how much the neighbours have reduced their electricity consumption has proven to be one of the most efficient ways to reduce consumption, more so than moral messages, and in several trials, more efficiently than the pricing mechanism, since for many of us, the price of electricity is not a strong factor determining our consumption. 
similar results have been obtained for water consumption, as well as for when hotels want to avoid cleaning guests' towels every day. Facts about excessive water consumption, climate impact, etc., were less consequential than simply telling guests that this is what other guests do.